This is because I want to. Hello, and welcome back to Because I Want To, where we talk about whatever it is we want to. I'm Sarah. I'm Lindsay. And welcome back. We skipped a week. Yes, we did. We needed a week off. Yes, well, specifically I did. (laughs) I'm always down for a week off, too, so... Uh, just feeling a little blah last week. Really, I've been feeling blah for the past week. It's been delightful. Mm-hmm. Just fantastic. But the weather finally got nicer. And seasonal depression is real, y'all. It it's really real. is. It's a real for thing. sure. But yeah, I've been hearing that it's really nice in Maryland right now. Yeah, it's cold today, but the last few days have been nice. Um, I think we're coming out of it. Coming out of it. Mm-hmm. So how's life? Oh my god. (laughs) This puppy, y'all, is like turned (laughs) our world upside down in this house. (laughs) They really do that. They're basically babies. They are. And I knew it was going to be a lot because I got Bean when he was a puppy. But I didn't realize like navigating their interaction with each other was going to be like a whole nother level. How is Bean doing? Bean is really, I feel bad for him because he's tolerating a lot. Fiverr's a lot. And (laughs) I've been watching YouTube videos about training. And that's all we're doing this weekend is I'm really going to try to work with him on his behaviors. Um, Because the main thing that worries me is Mm -hmm. like, okay, sometimes when we sit down to dinner... Fiverr will be in his crate because he's had dinner and he's going to chill mm-hmm. out in there for a little bit. But when he's in his crate and Bean's outside and we're eating dinner, I think this triggers him. Mm-hmm. So he'll bark like a mean bark and growl at Bean. Like it's obviously ah. at Bean and Bean will go over and he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't, you know, growl or bark at mm-hmm. anyone, but he'll do it back so that's the thing i'm worried about yeah you don't want them to have an antagonistic relationship and i wonder if it's like because it's dinner time and it's like a resource guarding thing because he came from that hoarder house Mm -hmm. so i think what we're gonna do is i was watching some videos that said it's good when you have a puppy to just keep them on a leash Even if you don't hold the leash, you can grab it when you're in the Mm -hmm. house so you can, like, correct their behavior. So I think we'll keep them out of the crate and see how it goes. Yeah, I was lucky when I got Moose that Moose is, like, a very, very submissive Uh personality. Um, But, yeah, she would, like, I used to do the same thing. Like, when I would go eat, I'd put her in her crate and she would, like lose her fucking Mm -hmm. shit like not growling or anything but just like screaming Mm -hmm. about the fact that we were in another room yeah so yeah we'll try that and just trying to be patient with him because it's only been two weeks i think Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's so hard it is really hard you have to be so patient like i don't know how dog trainers like do this all day long yeah. And it took, I would say it took at least like a month before 
London even like really wanted to interact with mm-hmm. <laughs> with Moose. Like she she like I remember the first time they started to play, I was like, oh my god, it's gonna be okay. Like, yeah, <laughs> they, they like each other. Yeah, like it'll take time. Um, but I did want to say there's a show on Netflix called Canine Intervention, and it's like the new generation of Caesar Milan. Okay. It's this, like, dog trainer in Oakland who, like, goes into people's houses and, like, fixes their dog problems. But because it's in Oakland, it's, like, really diverse people with, like, interesting stories. Mm-hmm. So. I like that. I can get down with that. I used to watch Caesar Milan every once in a while. Yeah. So I'm watching that. But what's new with you? You know, it's work, I guess. Yeah. Um, we have all of our kids coming back, not this coming week, but the week after that. Uh-huh. So that'll be interesting. It's interesting all because, like, them are coming all of back? them. Oh. All of them. Like, you can't so, choose to be at home or? You can, but, like, okay. almost none of my kids okay. are doing that. So, like, the county, <laughs> it's just, like, this whole thing. Uh, there's a lot of politics in this bullshit. Um, but, so, like, everybody's coming back, whatever. But it's, like, very varied like eighth grade is split into two teams and my team I think I have out of all of my kids maybe six staying home Mm -hmm. whereas the other team I think it's like half oh why do you think that is well I know why that is and you don't want to say the thing (laughs) no it's just like the thing no one ever wants to say in education which is totally like a wealth disparity like thing um but yeah that's why like, the more privileged kids are able to stay at home. hmm Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, the ones that have, like, a parent at home during yeah. the day. Yeah, it sucks. It's just, it is what it is. So, yeah, that's, I'm kind of fine with it. Like, I'm tired of chasing kids and, like, arguing with kids who are at home and all the time and don't do anything. So, mm-hmm. that'll be nice. Like, we can argue in person now. Um, yeah, I think that the kids who are coming in probably really need to be there. You know. Oh yeah, I feel bad for like the guidance counselor because I've been like being like, can you call this house and just convince them to send their kids back, please? Yeah. Like I'm just over it. I think for so, some kids, they really need that, and mm-hmm. they'll yeah really I think appreciate it. Hopefully. Yeah, and I'm just tired of like talking to a screen to kids who refuse to communicate back. And. I mean, you're still, I'm assuming, going to end the school year at the same time. Yes. So you'll June only 15th. have, like, three months with them. I have 64 days left. That's crazy. I'm, ugh, when we get to 30 days, man, I might cry. Why? It's been the, just because it'll, like, it's tangible, the end. Yeah. Wow. What a crazy year. But... You are completely vaccinated. I am. It was gnarly. Yo, have we talked since I got my second vaccine? Not on here. No. I don't think. Oh, yeah. It was gnarly. It was fucking gnarly. Tell the people. Um, Just be aware that when you get your second shot, your body will most likely be like, what the fuck is this? And you'll have a little shutdown for a day or two. Although, not everyone no. So I got mine at the same time as like four other teachers. And of the four of us, three of us got like knocked down. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Are you all, like, <laughs> younger, like, in your 30s or 40s? Nope. Variants. So it was, like, 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s. Um, I got my first one this week, so I'm going to get my next one in a couple weeks. Although, from what I've been, I mean, it's kind of like a crapshoot. Like, some people are like, oh, yeah, I'm fine, you know? I really thought it was going to be fine, because when I got the first one... I just I got like really tired like immediately and I was like oh I take a nap and that was pretty much the extent of it I got tired too I thought that was just yeah I'm tired all the time (laughs) no no it was like pretty immediate I was like I have to nap yeah um the second one though I felt like fucking like rejuvenated after I got it I like made dinner I like cleaned my house I was like I feel fucking great and then I woke up at one in the morning and I was like oh no (laughs) oh no and like texted my assistant principal at 3 a.m. and was mm-hmm. like, not going to be there. Sending you some plans that I just wrote that I'm sure are not good because it's 3 a.m. Um, See, I yeah. wonder if I should schedule mine for like a Thursday or a Friday if I can. Um, I would say yes. And have Gatorade in your house. Oh, okay. I never drink Gatorade, so... Me either. Everyone told me to get some, friend, and they're like, have some in your house. And I didn't. And then someone from work had to bring me Gatorade because I was, like, dying. so nice, though. It was so nice. She brought me Gatorade and a giant, like, giant chocolate bar. And she was like, here you go. Well, I do want to say... Still, everyone get vaccinated. Go do yeah, it. Seriously, do it's it. It's better like, than getting COVID. <laughs> the peace of mind is like everything. And even like if you feel kind of fluish for a day or two, um, it's better than getting COVID and passing it along to someone and that someone else dying, you know. <laughs> yes. And let me preface this with I'm allergic to most painkillers. So everybody was mm. like, alternate Advil and Tylenol. I can't do that. So uh, that may have played into how shitty I felt. Why are you supposed to alternate Advil and Tylenol? It's better. Like, they do different things. So, like, if you're in a lot, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, when I went to get my vaccine, I was kind of, this is really, like, lame, but I was kind of moved just because... I'm, you know, always in my house and you hear about Karens, you hear about people who deny it and conspiracy theorists. So it was nice to go in and see how many people were there getting it. Mm -hmm. And at least Mm -hmm. where I went, it was like a well-oiled machine. Like it was so Mm -hmm. efficient. I was in and out in 20 minutes. Same. There were a ton of people and it was just kind of nice to see. I think people... From when this was first, like, announced that, like, it was coming out and everything to now, I think a lot of people are just so ready for all yeah. of this to be over that they're just like, shoot me up. I don't, I don't care what's in it. Let's <laughs> shoot <go>. me up. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Put it in there. Inject it into my veins. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that is my thought process on that. But yeah, I'm excited. So you're going to be vaccinated. I'll be vaccinated. Yes. I think pretty much all of our friends will probably be vaccinated. Yes. Like Julia is vaccinated. Uh-huh. So my desire for us all to be in a house together and just get blasted. I'm so down. Mm-mm-mm. Let's do it. <laughs> I was like, that's all I want this summer. I just want us oh. to rent a house and be in it. I don't care where it is and just get blasted. 
Yes, because the CDC said if you and everyone else is vaccinated, you can hang out in a house together and not be masked and it's okay. Yeah, that's what I want. Perhaps somewhere in the middle, if you don't want to like fly out here, or you could fly out here and just hang out. I'll fly out there. I was thinking I need, yes, I need just like a weekend of fun. You can stay with me. Yeah. Are your parents still in Maryland or are they they permanently out of the state now? They're still in Maryland. My mom, I think, is retiring this year. Their house they bought in the Outer Banks. Um, they're, like, building a new house. Like, the old house is getting torn down, I think, like, this Got week you. or next week. But I think they're planning on moving at the beginning of next year. Man, then the only reason you'll have to come back to I Maryland know. is to see us. <laughs> there will be no hams left in Maryland. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. You've all vacated the state. Isn't that wild? Like, yeah, I'll be God knows where. Kim lives in New York City. Jackie is moving to the Outer Banks. My parents are moving there. It's like mm. we were never even there. It's wild. <laughs> to be fair, the Snyders are also vacating the state. <laughs> what? Your oh, parents? Yeah. Not are? my not my parents, but oh. like of, of the Snyder clan. Like they're all just slowly but you're not. vacating the state. Not yet. I don't know. Am I gonna die in Maryland? I don't know. I <laughs> very think dark way to look at it. <laughs> we just don't know. Like, why'd you go to where you're gonna die? You're this like is where I'm gonna die. Like, is my gravestone going to be in Carroll County? Oh, no, no, it's not. That's I think that. we should both move to Vancouver. Yo, Vancouver is so expensive. I know. Vancouver is like the San Francisco of Canada. We should move to a suburb of Vancouver. <laughs> Let's move to Prince Edward Island. Let's visit there first. And that, oh, I will say in Canada, teachers make like good money. Here's their their unions I, are really powerful. You could teach what would whatever. I teach in Canada. You could teach anything. I mean, not anything. You could teach. You could teach. Well, I'm sure you could learn Canadian government in like a half hour. <laughs> just, just yell parliamentary <laughs> politics into this like to yeah. the void. Yeah, you'd be fine. Sometimes Brock will mention he'll be some, say like something about a premiere, and I'm like, what? What's a premiere? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i joke about teaching that way all the time like when i'm feeling really lazy i'm like i'm just gonna scream sectionalism at them for half an hour and then that'll be my lesson you could teach ancient history i could i'd have to do a refresh but mm-hmm. <sighs> i tell you well should we move into our topic we surely can. We're talking about badass ladies. Part two. <laughs> yeah, we did the first one back in September. That was September? I think so, because I was in North Carolina, and I think that was in September. Man, it's been a while then. Time to revisit some cool-ass ladies. Yeah, like five, six months. Mm-hmm. I only have one person to talk about. Same. Okay. I think I went first last week, so if you would like to go first. 
Okay. I will preface this by saying that, um, I mean, I try to do research, but I've had a lot going on. So it is what it is. <laughs> Whenever we do these things, I always research like the 45 minutes before it starts. Yeah, I feel less prepared than usual, but that's okay. We're just going to roll with it. So we will hit me my, with it. My person is Chang Shi. Okay, good. I had this like weird premonition that for whatever reason we were going to talk about the same person. I was going to be like, of the millions and millions of ladies, <laughs> we're going to choose the same person. But we didn't. Let's continue well, I on. I think when we did this last time, you were going to do this person. And then mm, I did it mm. and you did Mulan instead. Yes, that's true. Tell me so, about this badass lady. Yeah, I'm sure you know a lot about her, so feel free to chime in whenever. But I got information from Wikipedia, obviously, um, and two YouTube videos, extra history, and then there was a biographics one that was really, really good. So, Cheng Shi is a, like, badass pirate queen of, mm-hmm. like, the Chinese seas. She's like the pirate queen. The pirate queen. And she like ruled over the Chinese seas in the late 1700s and the early 1800s. And to just give you some perspective of like how powerful she was at her peak, she commanded like from 70 to 80,000 people. Pirates. (laughs) Isn't that a lot? That's a lot. (laughs) That's like a pirate corporation. I was going to look up by comparison, like how many people are in, I don't know, like the Navy or something, but I didn't have time. But it's a lot. There's a book I'm reading or a series I'm reading right now that takes place in, it doesn't take place in China, but it's like very clearly based off China. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a character in it that I think is like based off her. Yeah. So she's really cool. She was this like woman who commanded all these men like i don't know if there were lady pirates under her but yeah she was basically the head of this it was like a crime corporation it was like the mafia like pirate mafia okay so okay she was born people think around 1775 somewhere in south china people don't really know but she Grew up and in her like teens and early 20s, she was working as like a sex worker. And I guess they had these like floating brothels that pirates Mm -hmm. would come and visit. And she was, I guess, like really beautiful and really smart and really charming. And she caught the attention of Chang Yi, who was this like big deal pirate. And I guess he was just, like, smitten with her. And so he married her. And she's like, that's cool. And so (laughs) it was, like, really cool. (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) Like, yeah, I guess he, like, really liked her. Um, So he was this, like, big deal. And so she was known at the time as Cheng Yi Sao, which means Cheng Yi's wife. And 
they, I guess like Chang E, her husband, um, kidnapped this like kid who was from a village and decided that he was going to be his protege. And his name was like Chang Pao. Okay. Okay. So That's he's one this, way to get a protege. <laughs> right. Like he kidnapped this kid. And I don't know why. I guess he like really liked him. And then they, from when I was watching this video, they like struck up this relationship, like the pirate and the protege, like a sexual one, which I guess very Greek was common, I guess, with pirates back then was these like, you know, same sex kind of dalliances. It's very Greek. Yeah. And Chang she or Chang Sal, the wife, like became involved too. So it was this weird like three way relationship. Okay. So. I mean <laughs> are how old is this protege? I don't know. It's a good question. But like, are we all consenting adults or not? <laughs> that's a good question. This video, I didn't catch that. I don't know if they mentioned it, but that would be something good to look up. But so they have this like weird three-way thing going. And um Chang Sao and Chang Yi decided to adopt him, I think, for legal reasons, so that he would inherit the pirate fleet. I love that it's a pirate fleet, but you can still legally inherit it. I know. Like, why are there these rules and laws governing this illegal operation? <laughs> Was it illegal? I don't know. Like, Piracy's piracy is illegal, right? Well, well <laughs> um, it depends. There are, like, legal versions <clears throat> of it. I guess they have their own laws. Of the sea? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I know that, like, some have been, like, endorsed by governments in the past with the understanding that they would only attack, you know, certain things and stuff. So I don't don't know China's deal with piracy. They did not get along with the dynasty, no. So. Okay. But, okay. So Chang Yi, the pirate guy, dies. And then Chang Shi becomes... Chang or no Chang Sao becomes Chang Shi, which means Chang's widow. So she, I guess, earned the respect of some of the fleet's commanders, and she married the adopted son. So she becomes like the lady in charge, basically. Alright. It's all very Incestuous. messy. Incestuous, messy, but she I'm going to need very... to know how old this guy is. <laughs> I know. I should have looked it up. But she's very, um like, strategic and scheming. Mm-hmm. And from what I, like, read and watched, it seemed like Chang Pao was kind of, like, wanted to go along with her. Like, she was kind of, like, the brains. And he's like, all right. Because mm-hmm. she appointed him to be commander of one of their big fleets, I guess. And then she was, mm-hmm. like, the head of the operation. Got you. Okay. So now she's the leader of all of them, all those pirates. There's tens of thousands of them. And I think also at the peak, there's 300 ships. And I guess part of what made her so successful is that she implemented all these rules. Like she was very strict in how the operation was going to run. So... 
like if you all like raids had to be sanctioned by her and she Mm. had to prove everything there's like top down chain of command and so like if a ship went out and like seized all this stuff from another ship it would go into this pot and then it i guess the pirates who did it would get like 20 percent of what they had seized so it's like very Mm. organized very okay And she implemented, like, all these rules. So if you, you know, just went out and captured a random ship without, like, running it by your chain of command, you would be beheaded. (laughs) Okay, solid, solid consequence. So back to Changxi. She, like, has all these rules. And one of her rules is that when you capture, like, people and you capture women, you... Mm -hmm. Are not allowed to rape them. If you rape them, you're ex- you're beheaded. You're executed. Excellent, excellent rulemaking. And if you have consensual sex, quote unquote, you're mm-hmm. both beheaded. Uh, okay. You're allowed if you really like someone you've captured. You're allowed to marry them or have them as a concubine, but you have to be like committed to them for the rest of your life and if you're not you're beheaded (laughs) damn all right there's lots of like beheadings happening so she really like rules with an iron fist i like that i like her iron fist okay so she had all these like code of laws lots of discipline and she also like gets into the salt trade which was like a big thing at the time i guess she would like capture salt trade ships and then she would just like make them work for her she'd be like okay i'm in the salt trade and you're like giving me like all your salt money now (laughs) (laughs) you go through me now exactly she is she's like the mob so this happens um for a while and i guess the like i'm trying to remember which dynasty it was but like the Chinese emperor is like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is really, like, cramming my style. But he, like, can't really stop her. Until, yeah, I mean, what do you do? Until he teams up with the Portuguese, which at this time, the Portuguese, I guess, were a big deal. They very much were. They were, like, the trading empire. We talked yeah. about the – wow, this is a throwback when we talked about the Portuguese trading empire. When I talked about Nzinga. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. The Portuguese, I feel like, I don't know, you don't, at least for me, like, hear about them enough, but they were mm-hmm. very uh, problematic. Yeah, we don't learn about them because they didn't own land that, like, the U.S. Uh-huh. cared about, so we don't learn about them, even though for a long time they, on a world stage, were the most powerful uh-huh. European country for a yeah. while. So I guess the Chinese team up with the Portuguese and there's this naval battle in 1810 where I guess Cheng Shi realizes like the jig is up. She can't compete with like two legit navies of like powerful countries. Yeah. So I think like this is really smart. She realizes, you know, it's done. I have to bow out. But then she like negotiates really, really good terms for her and for all her pirates. And she does not you know, surrender until her terms are met. And I think she even like increases them at one point because they're not acquiescing to her. And she's like, fuck you. I want more now. 
Ugh. I, yes. Yes. Why? Why isn't there a movie about her? Right? I would totally watch a movie. I watch a miniseries about her. Yes! But she, okay, I guess at the time of this battle, she had about 17,000 people in her fleet. And of those people, 60 were banished, I guess, from China. 151 were exiled. I wrote that down. I don't know what the difference is. 126 were executed. And everyone else, I think, was granted amnesty. And a lot of them joined the Chinese Navy. Hmm. I wonder how they chose who got executed. I don't know. I would assume, like, the particularly unsavory characters. Or maybe, like, the higher ranking people. Maybe. Or maybe people she, like, didn't like who crossed her. And she's like, fuck you. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> so it's like, I don't like you. you f- goodbye. <laughs> she's like, I want everyone to be in the Chinese Navy, except for those guys, because I don't like them. <laughs> you can um, kill them. <laughs> but her husband, Chang Po Sai, went into the Navy, and I guess he had, like, a pretty decent rank and a good career there. <laughs> and he eventually died at sea, like, later on. I don't know. I think they said it might have been a storm, or I don't know if people really know. Um, but... He was like, had this decent rank, and because she was still married to him, she was recognized as his wife. And so she had like a pretty good title and recognition, and she retired from being a pirate, but then she opened like this really successful gambling house. I love that. <laughs> I like that the story ends with her having zero consequences. <laughs> Just doing what she wants. Right? Like, that's what I really like about her story is that she just seemed like really smart and she wheeled and dealed her way up and out, but not down really. Yeah. She just made kind of like a horizontal swing. Yeah. But she was a legit crime boss and she ran, like I said before, at the height, like 70 or 80,000 people in the early 1800s. I'm really surprised there aren't more female crime bosses. And maybe we just don't hear about them because they're better at it. Yeah. But I feel like women are, like, oddly suited to that sort of thing. I agree. I think, yeah. It's just a really interesting story. And I do want a movie about it. I would watch the shit out of that. Yes. Like an HBO miniseries? Uh Please. Uh Uh-huh. Please. Oh, my God. Can you imagine Lucy Liu (gasps) playing a pirate queen? would love that i would adore that (laughs) that okay that would be perfect for hbo because of all the kind of like sordid controversial like incesty details Mm -hmm. yeah come on hbo don't you listen to our podcast come on i'll reach out to my contacts and you know just kind of pitch it my good friend at hbo maybe we should pitch it Like, when you pitch a show, you don't have to write the screen, like, the script, right? You can just be like, I have an idea. That was going to be my question. I think you have, I I think you can't just sell an idea. I think you have to, like, develop I think you can. I think you could sell an idea. And as long as you, like, flesh it out, somebody else can write it. Can we sell an idea of a real person, though? It's not, like, our original idea. Well, if no one else has thought to mention it. (laughs) We'll try. We'll keep y'all updated about what happens. <laughs> We're going to contact HBO. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed that. All right. Badass lady. Who you got? 
Well, my lady, whilst she's awesome, does not have quite the end that your lady does. Um, I'm going to talk about Hypatia of Alexandria. Ooh. I think that's how you say her name. It's spelled Hypatia, but I think it's Hypatia. Uh-huh. Um, so I got most of my information from Wikipedia and the World History Encyclopedia, formerly the Ancient History Encyclopedia. I changed the name. Um, but she is a female philosopher and mathematician. Uh, something to remember in this time period when they said philosopher it kind of is synonymous with science. So she's a scientist. Okay. So she was born in Alexandria, Egypt, around 370 CE. Definitely not a surety. That's kind of a historical guess. Um, but around that time period, yes, she lived in Egypt. But as far as I could tell, she was Greek, which there were a lot of Greeks in Egypt. So um, I do not think she was Egyptian. She was the daughter of the mathematician Theon, or Theon, which we don't know too much about him. Uh, we don't know anything about her mom, but we do know that her dad probably taught her, like, math, astronomy, and science, and all that stuff is where she got interested in it. Um, so, she is by far, like, the most famous philosopher of her time. Um, she was a neoplatonist, I believe is the belief system, like her dad, and you know what? I think you would very much enjoy this belief system. I was reading about it and I was like, this is like Lindsay's thing. <laughs> okay. So new Platonists follow the idea of Plotinus. Um, and there are, I guess, different sects of this. I guess there was some guy named Iamblichus who kind of changed some of the ideas and she and her dad were not about that. They were like, we follow the ideas of Plotinus. And basically it's focused around the idea of the one which is kind of like your idea of primordial sentient goo, essentially. I love the idea of the goo. <laughs> it's like basically what it is. Mind you, I read half the Wikipedia article about it, so I didn't get like too into it. But basically, the one is the beginning and end of all things. It is beyond being. It is, it is just. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of, I took it as like, it's from where you come, it's where you go, it's just... Mm -hmm. Everything. So sentient goo is it? Yeah. The one. So I don't know. This might be the belief system for us. So maybe I'm a neoplatonist? Platonicist? Yeah. Neoplatonist, platonist. Not sure okay. how you say it. All right. Um, so she lives in Alexandria, Egypt in three set, like in the late 300 CE. So this is when Christianity is pretty much taking over at this point. But she's a pagan. Okay. But she's pretty chill with Christians. Uh, she has Christian students, one of which becomes a bishop in Ptolemaeus, which will become Libya later on. And it seemed like they were pretty close, like they wrote letters back and forth to each other. Um, it's how we know the bulk of what we know about her is from these letters. Um, and basically all the sources at the time that we have about her describe her as like renowned, surpassing all other scholars of her time. Lots of people come to learn from her. Like, she's she pretty famous. Um, and she doesn't really invent anything new. As far as I can tell in this time period, the trend for scholars was to really expound on scholars of the past and, like, mm -hmm. more analyze what other people have done as opposed to come up with your own things. Like, her dad was really famous for 
going through some works of Euclid and basically fixing them of errors that had <laughs> happened over time. Oh, okay. Um, so she did more things like that. Um, like she would build astrolabes and things like that, but she didn't make her own as far as I could tell. So she was really famous for being a teacher and like analyzer, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had her own school. So she was like a really famous teacher. So she's like doing her thing getting along with everybody in Alexandria. Everyone's super <laughs> chill with her. Um, she never gets married. Um, and a lot of sources said she was a virgin. Who the fuck knows? Because, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's what they said. And I read <laughs> the best story I've ever read <laughs> about an ancient woman. I read it and just died. Okay, so there's this guy named Damascius. And he writes that Hypatia was exceedingly beautiful and fair form. But nothing else was known of her physical appearance, and no ancient depictions of her have survived. So um, he says she, he thinks she was a lifelong virgin, and then he tells this story of this dude who comes to her lecture to try and, like, hit on her. <laughs> and he, she first tried to soothe his lust by playing the leer. <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> I don't think that would just ignite the lust further. <laughs> <laughs> And when he refused to abandon his pursuit, she rejected him outright, displaying her bloody menstrual rags, declaring, (laughs) this is what you really love, my young man. You do not love beauty for its own sake. Damascus further relates that the young man was so traumatized (laughs) that he he abandoned his desires for her immediately. What did she mean? This is what you really love. Like the womanhood? Like I don't even really know, but just the idea of someone being just like whipping out essentially a tampon oh and God. throwing it. What a feminist queen. Right? She had no time. She had no time. She gave zero fucks. I'm sure that that would be like crazy to do now. I'm sure it was crazy to do then. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's the essentially being like, is this what you want? <laughs> Can you imagine someone hitting on you and you whip out your pad? <laughs> and you're like, this is what you want. <laughs> But what a way to get someone to just fuck off. It's amazing. Yeah, so I died when I read that story. And I wanted to know if it was, like, true. So I did, like, I got this off Wikipedia. So I did click through a few of the sources. And it was quoted in a few books. So. (laughs) I'm sure she made. Imagine. Okay, she made such an impression that we're talking about it, like, 2,000 years later. (laughs) Oh, my God. There are some, like, really funny fucking stories from ancient Greeks. Like, there was this one philosopher whose name is, what was, Dysophthemes? I forget his name, but he was really weird. He lived in, like, essentially, like, a barrel. (laughs) (laughs) What? But I think at one point, like, a barrel, like, like a like a big ass barrel he just like lived in it um <laughs> like oscar the grouch <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, really i do want to talk about him at some point um but there's like a story of i guess i think it was plato who had like this description of what made a man and he like busted into his lecture once and like threw a chicken at him because he said a chicken still matched the description he was like this is man <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine, like, you're living in this time period where you can just act 
batshit crazy and it's because you're this like philosopher yeah, <laughs> you're making a statement <laughs> about man yeah. and life <laughs> oh my god there are some fucking funny stories from antiquity anyway <laughs> so she's doing her thing in alexandria um and theophilus or theophilus theophilus was the bishop of alexandria during her time and they were apparently like pretty chill with each other um, especially considering that he was kind of like actively going against a lot of the stuff she believed in. Um, but he tended to leave her alone. Like he left her school alone. Um, she was super popular, even among prefix and political leaders. And it's probably because he was so chill with her. Mm. And so she's just like doing her thing, getting along with everybody, giving advice, talking about science, <laughs> as one <laughs> does, being super famous. As you do. But then in 412, Theophilus died, and he didn't name a successor, because apparently bishops back in the day named successors. It wasn't the church who was like, yo, you should be a bishop. I don't know. So there was a huge power struggle, because he'd been preparing his nephew Cyril to be his successor, but never officially said it. So there was a big thing with Cyril and his rival Timothy, uh, Cyril Timothy. wins in the end. <laughs> Timothy. Cyril okay. wins in the end, and he basically just starts like punish people who didn't support him. Um, and it seems like Hypatia and her school were like super sketched out by him after this. Okay. Um, she, I, like, between the letters and her friend who was a bishop in um, what will become Libya, that you can kind of get the vibe that she was like, yeah, I'm not down with all this shit. So, in 1414, I guess I couldn't find details about this. Like, this part of the Wikipedia article, I was like, this is a little not as complete as I would like it to be. Um, But I guess there was some Jewish-led massacre. I don't know about what. It seemed like there was a reason that it happened. Like, it was in response to something. Uh I don't know. But that occurred. So, Cyril closes all the synagogues in Alexandria, takes all their shit, and, like, expels a bunch of them from the city, which happens a lot with the Jews in history. Um, It said maybe it was just the ones involved in the massacre that he expelled from the city. Unclear. Um, But he does that. And so there's this guy, Orestes, who is a Roman prefect and a friend of Hypatia's, and a, like, super recent convert to Christianity. He was like, what the fuck? And so he sent a report to the emperor and was like, uh, Cyril's, like, doing all this shit. Um, and it gets, shit just kind of blows up as a result. So a bunch of Christian clerics under Cyril try to murder Orestes. And then Orestes, in response, has some monk named Ammonius murdered. <laughs> he has him, oh. like, publicly tortured to death. This is, like, because apparently, Game of Thrones type shit. Yes. Like- that's how the Romans do. Yeah. Um, so apparently this monk was somehow involved in the massacre or some riot or something. Like it was in consequence of something that he went after this monk. Um, so Orestes used to go to Hypatia for advice a lot of times because she wasn't really involved in the situation and she got along with everybody. Basically, she was wise as shit is what I wrote down. <laughs> so he went to her and was like, what the fuck should I do? Um, and that basically, like, snowballed, and it led to Cyril and his followers starting to go after her. 
So there's evidence of, like, rumors starting to be spread about her and people saying shit about her, like she was using magic and worshipping oh, Satan. no. Just, you know, <laughs> your fun religious zealot stuff. Character uh, so assassination. That's, yes, exactly. So that shit starts going around. And it all comes to a head in the Lenten season, um, March 15th. A mob of Christians under a lector named Peter raided Hypatia's carriage, dragged her out into the Caesarean, which used to be a Roman pagan worship location and now is a church. Uh, they strip her naked and murder her. Oh my god. Like, oh, hardcore murdered her. Like, cut out her eyeballs, <gasps> hacked off her limbs, dragged her through the town to a place called the Cenarian, and then set her the fuck on fire. Oh my god, she didn't even do anything though, right? She was just associated with that dude? Yes. Oh my god, okay. (laughs) This is like a real good example of like, men being trash. (laughs) Um, So there are slightly different versions of this story, but in all of them, she gets murdered good. Um, They (laughs) aren't... 100% sure whether it was, like, religiously motivated, politically motivated, some mix of the two. I'm betting it was some mix of the two and probably more political than anything. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm imagining the people at the top, it was entirely political, and then it just trickled down to the lower classes where it was religious. So, basically, her death really, like, supports a schism between the Christians and everybody else in the city, Especially those who practiced Neoplatonism, which still, like, goes on for, like, a hundred more years. Like, it doesn't go away. Um, and she basically becomes this, like, martyr for philosophy. Mm-hmm. And she, like, her story, like, lasts the ages. I think because of how violent her death was. Yeah. But yeah. That's, for somebody like, brutal. We don't know. Yeah. And, like, it's interesting because, like, her death is the most well-recorded thing about her. That's like, okay, it's one thing to execute someone, but it's another to, like, pull out their eyeballs. Mm -hmm. That's, like, what you do to, that's, like, treasonous, like, execution. Yeah, I was reading how they killed her, and at one point, it was, like, just because the name of the weapon was in Greek. And I was looking at it, because, you know, (laughs) I haven't studied Greek in, like, 15 years. Um, and it, like, roughly translates, I think, to, like, seashells. So they were, like, carving at her. <gasps> Dear God. Yeah, it is. When you first said that, it reminded me of, like, how you hear about all these saints being martyred. Mm-hmm. But I guess because mm-hmm. she was not Christian, you can't make her a saint. So. No. No. Yikes. What happened to, do you know whatever happened to, like, Orestes that kind of put don't. her in that position? I, I imagine probably nothing if, you know, <laughs> fucking wow. the way these things usually go, nothing ever happens to the person who fucking, you know, caused it all to happen. Isn't it, like, crazy? Like, why do people have to torture other people? Like, why can't you just execute them? Like, why do you have to, like, be so fucking weird about it? Because <laughs> it was a fucking mob. Oof. Yeah. Oh, so they think the people who killed her were probably part of something called the Parabolani, which is like an early Christian brotherhood. They're like the people who took care of like people who were sick and dying, knowing that they could probably die too. Way to like not oh. 
<laughs> not like, man. They were man. real mad at her. Like, I don't know if someone lied about what she was doing or that's wild. Yeah. Oh, so Orestes eventually gave up and left Alexandria after uh-huh. she died. <laughs> he left. He probably saw what happened to her and was like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm done with this power struggle. So this Cyril character just wins everything. Wow. Um, oh my god, he he almost got venerated as a saint. Really? Yes! Why? <laughs> so the Catholic Church did not... He is a saint. Is he a saint? Hang on. Oof. Hang on, I'm reading. Hang on, I'm scanning. I'm scanning. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm fucking offended. (laughs) Yeah, that's some bullshit. I don't think he's a saint in the Catholic church, but I think he might be in other churches. Well, she's the saint in the church of the primordial goo. Yes. Yes. All praise the goo. (laughs) (laughs) The one. (laughs) The one. I think Um, you should read the article about, I'm telling you, I think this is your belief system. Yeah. I think this is the one for you. I was going to ask, was it a thing at that time for women to be these like respected uh, scholars and philosophers or was she like unusual? So you definitely see it. Like, there are scholars who came after her, and, like, there are definitely examples, like, prior to her. Not as, like, famous as her, I don't think. Um, But definitely not common. It happened, but, like, not commonly. Okay. Yeah. Especially, I would say it was probably more, you would see it more in the arts than you would in, like, the sciences. So I think I've heard her name before, but I didn't know all of that. Yeah, there's a movie with Rachel Weisz in it about her. Ooh. It's called, she, I think, Agora. Is she Hypatia? Yes, which I'm like, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, got dist- I got distracted reading about Neoplatism. <laughs> Oh, there's something called the world soul in it. Love that. That's like the collective unconscious, I feel. Well, I mean, I don't know anything about it, but it reminds me of the idea of the collective unconscious. Yeah. Neoplatonists did not believe in the independent existence of evil. They compared it to darkness, which does not exist in itself, but only as the absence of light. So, too, evil is simply the absence of good. Things are good insofar as they exist. They are evil only insofar as they are imperfect, lacking some good which they should have. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, there's a celestial hierarchy. I'm going to get a book. Yeah, I was going to say, I should watch like a YouTube video about it. There are gods in it. Or I guess, no, so that I am Blycus guy, he added a bunch of gods and stuff to it. So she wouldn't have been down for that. That would not have been Hypatia's thing. (laughs) (laughs) She is not about it. No, I'm going to get a book. I'm going to get a book. That was really interesting. Yeah, I enjoyed both of our people this week. 
Yeah, I learned a lot. And it makes me think we should do an episode, like you said, about just weird shit that happened in ancient Greece. Just weird stories. I'm telling you. Just like weird stuff. Wait, I want to... Wait, Greek... I want to remember his name so that I have it on here. So I want to do talk about him. I'll remember who lived in barrel (laughs) diogenes diogenes oh my god okay to be fair it wasn't like a barrel in the sense of that we think of a barrel it was like a big ass like greek pot thing like a huge one it's still weird amphora amphora that's Uh. the word i want and apparently some Another story about him is Alexander the Great apparently met him and they were like, who would you be if you weren't you? And he was like, I would be Diogenes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I'm adding this to our list of topics. And yes. It's just like kind of funny to me that you could at this time. Yeah. Like, cause you're a philosopher. You can just do weird shit and it's like yeah. deep and interesting and you can meet Alexander the Great and he's like, wow, you're cool. It's like being a hipster or something. <laughs> yeah. He was a cynic. So he was like in the cult of cynicism. Yeah. yeah he lived in a wine barrel, urinated in public too. He like said like no, he had no fucks to give. You can do whatever you want if you're a philosopher. Yeah, and he lived to be like 90, living in a fucking barrel in the middle of the Agora. I love how you're like, okay, to be fair, it wasn't a a barrel, it was a big clay pot. (laughs) That's any less weird. (laughs) Well, it's just like, it's bigger than maybe you were thinking. Keep imagining like Oscar the Grouch and like oh I my don't god, know. It's just I literally I'm just like so I'm I have like the Google search open about him and it has like on the right a bunch of quotes from him. In a rich man's house, there is no place to spit but his face. <laughs> what? <laughs> In a rich man's house, it. there is no place to spit but his face. Just because rich people suck, I guess, is the point. I'm thinking that's the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. He sounds like a wild card. Yeah. What I like to drink most is wine that belongs to others. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Dogs and philosophers do the greatest good and get the fewest rewards. (laughs) Dogs, yes. Philosophers, questionable. Yeah, I know. He's really a high opinion of himself. He's doing well, a lot of good by living in a pot and spinning in rich people's faces <laughs> and drinking and peeing in public. <laughs> wow, what a guy. What a great guy. What a guy. I like, too, that, like, I don't think there's actually, like, literally anything that he wrote that, like, survives to today. All The reason we talk about him is all, like, the shitty, crazy, badass, crazy stories people tell His about him. Eccentricities have prevailed through time. Well... What should we talk about next week? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. (laughs) We could do our ranking idea. Your ranking idea. We could do that. That would be easy, wouldn't it? Yeah. So where we come up, like our episode before where we rank stuff, but we don't say what the category is. And then we guess what it is based on what we ranked. I could get down with that. Let's do that. 
Okay. Done. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Uh, do all the things. <laughs> Follow do us. All the things. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Subscribe, please. Um, and we'll see you next week. I don't know when this is going to get posted. I might edit this. What are your thoughts about... I'll talk to you about it later. All right. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) Bye. Bye.